from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. The greatest gift that we can give to our children and grandchildren is a legacy of faith. In Judaism, we refer to this as Lidor Vador, which means from generation to generation. Passing on our faith from one generation to the next has always been a core value in the Jewish tradition, one that has helped preserve the Jewish people for thousands of years. A few years ago, when my father, Rabbi Echiel Eckstein, suddenly passed away, I realized how blessed I was that my father left us a rich legacy of faith. I was inspired to write a book about the teachings and values that I received from my parents and how I am now passing those same teachings on to my very own children. That book is called Generation to Generation, and it's a compilation of the lessons that I learned through the Jewish traditions that I grew up with, and a practical guide for how we can all pass on our faith to the next generation. And now, I'm thrilled to make the contents of my book available to everyone through this podcast. Over the summer, every episode of Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast will feature the audio version of Generation to Generation. Each week, you'll hear me read a chapter in the book, and in each chapter, we'll explore a Jewish observance, the key value it reinforces, and how to transmit that value to the next generation. I think we can all agree that our children are our future. We are shaping the future of the world through the lessons that we teach our children today. I pray that this series will help you share your faith with all of the children in your life and that it enriches your own walk with God too. Of all of the values I hope to pass down to my children, courage is one of the most important. If our children are to grow up and live the values and teachings that we have passed on to them, they will need a solid foundation of faith and courage in order to choose what is right over what is popular and to favor what pleases God over what impresses other people. As renowned British statesman Winston Churchill said, courage is rightly esteemed the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees all others. In a world that seems to have lost its moral compass, it is imperative that we teach our children how to navigate and follow a faith-based journey through life with courage and determination. Before the Jewish people became known as the Jews, we were known as the Israelites, and before we were known by that designation, we were known as the Hebrews. The term Hebrew was the first used to describe Abraham, who was called Abraham Ha'ivri, Abraham the Hebrew, in Genesis fourteen thirteen. 
This term is literally translated as Abraham who stands on the other side. Jewish tradition teaches that Abraham earned this name because he stood apart from everyone else in the world at the time. While the culture around him believed in paganism, idolatry, hostility, and competition, Abraham taught about one loving God, morality, justice, and treating one another with kindness. It was a radically different outlook, and it was extremely unpopular. Yet, All it took was one person who had the courage to speak the truth in spite of popular opinion, and from that flowed the three great faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Tradition teaches that Abraham was so courageous that given the choice to renounce his faith or enter a fiery furnace, Abraham chose the latter. However, God protected Abraham, and he emerged without a single hair singed. In the Christian Bible, it was the courage of men like Peter and John that caught the attention of others and caused the early church to grow, as we learn in Acts 4.13. The virtue of courage is a cornerstone of both of our faiths and remains just as essential today in preserving and growing our faith communities. Interestingly, the Talmud charges parents with obligation to teach their children how to swim. This requirement demonstrates that parents have a moral and ethical responsibility to teach their children how to remain safe in dangerous situations. It has been suggested that this directive also requires that parents equip their children to deal with difficult situations even when no physical danger is present. The act of swimming demands that a person actively work to stay afloat and fight against the current that is threatening to pull him or her underwater. Likewise, in life, we need to learn how to overcome challenges when they are so difficult that they threaten to drown us. We need to be equipped to go against the grain of society when circumstances require it. While it is always easier to go with the flow, it is our duty to give our children the ability to swim against the current of society when necessary. I believe that it is faith that gives us courage and courage that gives us the confidence to do whatever it is that we are called to do. When Joshua took over the leadership of the Israelites from Moses, God repeated the same phrase to him three times in the first nine verses of the book of Joshua. God said, Chazak ve'amatz, be strong and be courageous. As Joshua began the daunting task of conquering and settling the land of Israel, as you remember, a task believed impossible by 10 of his colleagues when they spied on the land 40 years earlier, he needed courage. However, it was his unwavering faith in God that gave him the ability to act courageously and to know confidently that he would succeed in his mission. When David tasked his son Solomon with building God's great holy temple in Jerusalem, he said, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. This is in 1 Chronicles 28.20. It was Daniel's unwavering faith in God that gave him and his friends the courage to stand against the Babylonian culture. Together, faith and courage have always advanced God's work on earth. My Abba, my father, told me the following story that demonstrates the amazing courage that comes from deep faith. In the beginning of the 20th century, the renowned Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, who lived from 1880 to 1950, was fighting for religious freedom in communist Russia. One morning, as he prayed in synagogue, three men rushed in and arrested the rabbi for his actions. 
facing a council of determined men, the rabbi reaffirmed that he would not give up his religious activities. One of the agents pointed a gun at his head and said, This little toy has made many men change his mind. The rabbi replied, That little toy can only intimidate men with many gods in one world, but I have only one god in two worlds, so I am not impressed by your little toy. As my father taught me, he who fears one fears none. Or as King David so beautifully wrote, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's from Psalm 23, 4. Courage is born out of faith, faith in God and faith in oneself, for you were created by God in the image of God. One of my father's favorite things to do when my sisters and I were young was to read books to us, and not just any books, but books with messages that would inspire us to believe in ourselves. Two bedtime classics in our home were The Little Engine That Could by Waddy Piper and The Value of Believing in Yourself, The Story of Louis Pasteur by Spencer Johnson. For many of us, The Little Engine That Could is a childhood staple. The delightful words of Waddy Piper introduced me to that intrepid and spunky little blue engine who, in spite of being small and quite ordinary, was able to pull a large cargo over a steep mountain all because she kept repeating, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. The value of believing in yourself about the well-known 19th century French chemist who discovered the vaccine for the deadly rabies virus told of Pasteur's persistent and constant refrain. I believe I can. I believe I can. The heroes of my bedtime stories were successful in accomplishing things great and small because of one thing they had in common. Both believed in themselves and consequently had the courage to pursue goals others thought impossible to achieve. Having this idea reinforced nearly every night provided an indelible message that I could achieve whatever, that is, I put my mind to. However, this message was carefully balanced by the idea that I could do nothing without God. Taken together, my father taught my sisters and me the invaluable lesson that with God in our lives, we could do anything. It is a lesson that has served both my sisters and me very well over the years. My parents were well aware that they were raising three girls who would become women in a world that tends to give men the advantage. It was important to them to instill within us the idea that we were just as capable as our male counterparts and that as women, we have our own unique gifts to contribute to society. They emphasized the morning blessing recited by women daily in Jewish prayer, which thanks God for making me according to his will. They taught us that God created us with every tool and talent we would ever need to accomplish his work. My parents filled us with courage and confidence on a daily basis that we could meet any challenge and reach every goal. They helped me believe that anything I would be called to do would be something that I would undoubtedly be able to accomplish. If God brought me to it, God would get me through it. With such knowledge, how can we not have courage? As a lifelong champion of women, my father felt particularly connected to the holiday of Purim when we celebrate Queen Esther, the heroine who saved the Jews. According to the Book of Esther, the Jewish people were destined for annihilation due to the evil machinations of wicked Haman. With the help of God working behind the scenes, Queen Esther courageously risked her life to save her people. Most are probably familiar with this story that takes place after the destruction of the first temple in Jerusalem, while the Jewish people lived in Persian exile under the rule of King Xerxes. 
As the story goes, after the king had banished his first wife, he looked for a new wife and chose Esther, a young Jewish orphan. Under the direction of her uncle Mordechai, Esther did not reveal her Jewish identity. While Esther was queen, an evil man named Haman plotted to kill all the Jewish people, and through a series of well-placed lies and deceptions was granted permission by the king to do so. Haman drew lots to determine the day that the genocide would take place, the 14th day of the month of Adar. Mordechai informed Esther of the looming threat and instructed her to go before the king and beg for mercy for her people. Esther, however, was hesitant. She knew that anyone who appeared before the king without being summoned would be put to death unless the king favored them. But Mordechai encouraged Esther to do her duty with these stirring words. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is from Esther 4.14. Esther accepted the mission, requesting that the nation of Israel fast on her behalf and ultimately succeeded in saving her people. Today, Purim, which means lots in ancient Babylonian and recalls the lots that Haman drew to determine the day of destruction for the Jews, is celebrated on the 14th day of the Hebrew month Adar. The day before Purim is known as the Fast of Esther, and Jews fast in remembrance of the original fast requested by Esther. On Purim itself, the book of Esther is read, a feast is held, and the directives of Mordechai and Esther to give gifts to the needy and send food to friends in order to increase friendship are fulfilled, as is outlined in Esther 9.20-22. Another prominent custom of the day that has evolved over the years is to dress up in costumes in order to demonstrate that things are not as they seem. While the hand of God is evident throughout the story of Esther, his name is never mentioned in the text itself. On Purim, we remember that even though God often seems hidden or disguised in our lives, he is always there. U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt once said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that there is something more important than fear. In the Purim story, Esther is a shining example of courage, mainly because she was also the victim of intense fear. For most of the story, Esther was a passive character. She was raised by Mordechai, taken against her will to the palace, forced to marry King Xerxes, and then followed the rules set out by Mordechai regarding her conduct in the palace. When confronted with the task of saving the Jews, her immediate reaction was to reject it, explaining that, for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law. They will be put to death unless the king extends the golden sentence to them and spares their lives. This is from Esther 4.11. Esther, rightfully so, feared for her life. However, once Mordechai made his case, Esther rose to the occasion and proclaimed, and if I perish, I perish. This is from Esther 4.16. In that moment, she realized that there was something much larger at stake, the very life and continuity of the entire Jewish nation. This was the turning point for both Esther and the Jews. For the first time, she became assertive in spite of her fear and commanded Mordechai to call a three-day fast on her behalf. And the third day, she approached the king. According to Jewish tradition, Esther was so consumed by fear and weak from fasting that it took two angels to hold up her body and one to hold up her head.
When she faced the king, her life was spared. However, she did not yet have the courage to make her request. Instead, Esther invited the king and her enemy, Haman, to a feast where she planned to present her plea to the king once he was in a good mood. However, even with the king's promise to grant her up to half the kingdom, Esther postponed her request and invited the pair to yet another feast. Finally, at the second feast, Esther revealed her identity, asked for salvation of her people, and succeeded in saving the Jews. The 14th day of Adar, which was expected to be a day of utter horror for the Jewish nation, became a day of great joy and celebration. I always found it curious that the Jewish people commemorate the fast of Esther the day before Purim, the 13th of Adar, because scripture tells us that the couriers announced Haman's evil edict on the 13th day of Nisan. This is in Esther 3.12. The fast of Esther then was held during the middle of Nisan, which is actually Passover. The day chosen through lots to obliterate the Jews was actually 11 months later on the 14th of Adar. Moreover, during the time when the terrible decree was declared and Esther succeeded in saving the Jews, there were two fasts, one initiated by the people who reacted to Haman's initial decree by fasting, weeping, and wailing, as we learn in Esther 4.3, and the one that Esther called before approaching the king, as we learn in Esther 4.16. Why do we only commemorate Esther's fast? According to Jewish teachings, while the story of Purim is about God's providence behind the scenes, it is also about the importance of each individual person stepping up with courage to fulfill their God-given role. We can only fully appreciate the salvation that took place on Purim if we first appreciate the courage it took for one young orphan girl to step out in faith and courageously save her people. Esther's fast brought about salvation, and her courage laid the groundwork for God to save his people. When my parents read me all those self-affirming books and taught me to hold Esther as a role model, I had no idea that these teachings would be essential to overcoming the greatest challenge I have ever encountered. In February 2019, I unexpectedly lost my father. Looking back now, it seems that it was divine providence that he passed away on the first day of the month of Adar, the Hebrew month in which we celebrate Purim, and a month in which we are to be joyful. At the time, I noted that it was fitting that my father passed away in the month of Adar, because the events commemorated during this month matched his life's work, as he brought so much joy and salvation to the Jewish people. Now I see that Adar not only fit my father's life story, but also my own. It was the story of Esther that saw me through those first few difficult weeks and months after my loss. I realized during those first months after my father's death that just as God had prepared Esther for such a time as this, he had been preparing me for that very moment. To me, my father was not only a loving, supportive, and wise parent, he was also my leader and mentor. I had the privilege of working side by side with him at the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews for more than 13 years. Suddenly, he was no longer there, and my world had turned upside down. While my father had begun preparing me to take over leadership at the organization that he founded and built, we both had expected the transition to take place over a few years and with him by my side to guide me. However, with this unexpected turn of events, I became president of the fellowship overnight. 
I barely had internalized my father's death when I became one of the youngest women to lead any comparable nonprofit organization in the United States. My father's shoes are enormous ones to fill, yet his teachings and guidance have reassured me I could hear him say, perhaps you have reached this position for such a time as this. I drew on the lessons that I learned as a child from my father and mother that if God had brought me to this position, I absolutely could do it. All I needed to fulfill this role was already within me. I just needed the courage and faith to push forward. God was most certainly with me, just as he had been with Esther and all the other courageous heroes of the Bible. The year that followed was an incredible journey, and it was one on which I brought my children along with me. They, too, were hurting. They had lost a beloved Saba, a grandfather, someone who had been such a presence in their young lives. And they, too, had to deal with the reality of me taking on more of a demanding position outside of the home. We started a tradition that we upheld throughout the year following my father's death. Every Sabbath Eve, as I lit the traditional Shabbat candles, we lit a commemoration candle in memory of my Abba and their Saba, which lasted all week until the next Sabbath. When we lit that candle, we would share a memory about my father and their grandfather and encourage each other through our loss. It was during this time that I shared with my children my thoughts and feelings about literally sitting in my father's chair and taking over his position. I would share the many challenges that I faced each week and how the lessons I learned from my father helped me through. I shared how my faith was strengthened as I felt God's presence and love with me every single step I took. Perhaps more than any teaching, watching me go through these challenges and mustering the courage to go forward taught my children the value of faith-based courage. What was at first scary, unknown, and intimidating became familiar and even a great source of joy in our home as we witnessed the fellowship not only continue to function but also to grow in the months after my father's death. As much as I pray that my children encounter as little sadness and struggles in their lives as possible, I know that God sends all of us challenges, challenges tailored to our innate abilities, weaknesses, and life purpose. I believe that the amount of courage we bring with us when we are met with such challenges will greatly determine our ability to surmount them or, God forbid, to give up in despair. By sharing my experiences with my children, I hope that if they ever question their ability to fulfill God's plan for their lives, they will look back on their mother, just as I look back to Esther, my ancestor, and know that if she can do it, so can they. They will know that while God gives us burdens, he will bring them through it if they, like Joshua, are to be strong and courageous. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.